The following is a recording of the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are located in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. We are also located on the web at www.tpuuf.org. Please come visit us. Please join me in preparing our minds and our hearts for worship this morning by mindfully listening to our prelude. And I say this and I remind us, mindfully listening can look like many different things. You can sit silently and let the music wash over you. You can sing along if you want to. That is okay. Because today we are starting with the Beatles and all you need is love. Good morning. Happy New Year, and welcome to Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. Because we did not meet here in person, so I'm so happy to welcome you in person to the new year. I'm Reverend Andrew Weber, and I serve here part-time guiding this community of ministers in our shared ministry, searching, helping, healing together. We strive to be a welcoming, a nurturing community dedicated to inspiring spiritual growth and fellowship for adults and children. We share in the responsibility and in the honor of walking together through our lives. In January, we're exploring the worship theme of liberating love, which to me sounds both nebulous and inspiring. Because love is one of those words which gets used so much that sometimes its meaning is like lost or misunderstood. I mean, for, when, I, when I talk about love, I think of uh, the Tao and the Tao Te Ching and the first chapter. If you know this classic Chinese text, the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching, the true Tao cannot be described in words. Okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> or once defined, the Tao is not defined. That reminds me of love. For can love be described in words? Can be like, oh, I'm going to write you an essay about love, and then you'll understand what that is? Mm, I don't know. I mean, not completely. So today we're going to have activities. We're going to have stories. We're going to have lots of music. So get ready to sing. Get ready to listen. Get ready to explore, to ponder the meaning of love. Every Sunday... And most of our business meetings, we begin by lighting a chalice, the symbol of our faith, with just as much meaning and just as much interpretation as that word love. Our flaming chalice calls to mind years past in this building or elsewhere. It reminds us of our international siblings in faith across the globe. And we light the chalice as a beacon of social justice and a charge to be our best selves. I've asked Indigo to light the chalice today, and as you can see, there are many people in pink. That's because we had the Barbie service last week, but it was virtual. So thank you, Indigo. Our chalice lighting. Symbol of light and knowledge, symbol of warmth and freedom, we light this chalice as a symbol of our faith. Here we gather to celebrate hope and the infinite possibilities of love. One aspect of love is peace. And here at Thomas Paine, we also light a flame showing our desire and our goal of peace in our hearts and peace in the world. 
please join me with the responsive words. May peace be with us. I already said, and I can say it again, we're going to be singing a lot today. So I'm going to start by going over some logistics. We've gone over this before. It's okay. This is logistics in order to further our own love for each other and love for ourselves. There are hymnals available in the back, which include lyrics and music for the hymns. Hymnals are optional. Do not feel pressured one way or the other. That's okay. The lyrics will also be projected on the screen. You may choose for yourself whether you want a hymnal or not. Some people like to stand when they're singing. And if you want to go get a hymnal now, that's fine. If you want to stand up in the middle of when I'm talking anytime I move, that's okay. I'm not offended. But some people like to stand when they're singing. Again, also optional. If you do stand, please be aware of those people who you may be blocking behind you and consider moving to the sides or the aisles. If you want to see the screen, consider moving forward to increase your access. Usually there's lots of space in the front. I love that there's not as much today. Thank you, everyone up here. <laughs> but even with these small actions, I say this and I take time to note this because even in these small actions, we can promote love. This is promoting love by saying, I want to do this how am I impacting maybe someone next to me? And how can I change what I'm doing to show more care to someone else? So now please rise in body or in spirit and join in singing Faith is a Forest. It's number 194. a hymnal you have to pay attention because that was only two verses and there are three in the hymnal so keep you on your toes we are starting more sharing through story today so if you are young at heart in body if you want to be part of this story experience please come forward and 
And we're going to use this microphone here, Mike. I'm a librarian. I'm Librarian Barbie, and some people think that libraries seem to be rather odd. Okay, now can do you see good? Okay, so some people think that sometimes librarians are a little bit odd. I mean, how many librarians have socks with pigs on them? Because. I will not stop reading until pigs lie. <laughs> so, and they're pink too, so they kind of go with the theme for today, right? So odd is an interesting word. It has two different meanings sometimes. You might not like it if somebody says that you're odd, and then I don't mind if somebody says I'm odd. It means I'm different and special, and there's probably not people like me. There's another word that I'd like to know, I'd like to get your thought on, the word power. What does power mean? Can you tell me another word? for power, you can just shout it out. Strength, I hear strength. How about anybody up here? Can you name somebody who's powerful? Your mom is powerful? Yeah, mm-hmm. What, what, what is it, the power that she has? Like, what kind of power does your mom have? She works in her life, and I'm sure that she has things like, she can tell you what time to go to bed. And you kind of have to do it, right? You're like, okay, five more minutes. And then, okay, three more minutes. So uh, today I'm going to read your story. And it's called When Words Have Power. It's written by Lisa Chong and illustrated by Caitlin Yang. What do you see in the picture on the cover? What is this? It's a boy on a swing. I'm not sure. I don't think he's in his backyard. What makes me think that he's somewhere else? I think he's at a playground, yeah. What makes you say that? What else do you see there? A sandbox, a slide. We used to have those things. Well, I think they might call them jungle gyms or monkey bars because we were all a bunch of monkeys on it. Yes, okay. So um, at the beginning of the book is a title page. It says, When Words Have Power, it's written by Lisa Chong and illustrated by Caitlin Yang. Over in the corner, there's a little tiny set of words that says, For My Mom and In Memory of My Dad, and then there are initials, L.C. That makes this also a dedication page. So Lisa Chong decided that she wanted to give this, uh, a, like a shout out to somebody special in her life. See them right down there? It's a little dedication. It was a special day. Henry and his mom had planned it together. First, they would go to the park for Henry to play with his friends, and then they would go to the Chinese market. Mm. I don't know, it might be hard to get you out of the park if you have to go to the market all of a sudden. I'm gonna stay longer at the park. At the park, Henry saw some friends kicking a ball around. As usual, there were other kids chasing Jason. 
He was the only boy who had, he had ever seen with bright red hair. Hi, tomato head, Henry said, joining in with the other kids. You can see Jason, and you can see Henry. You might be able to see Jason's face there. Henry, I need to talk to you. His mom called out in a tone that meant business. Henry stopped chasing Jason and started busily digging in the sand, glancing sideways at his mom. Henry, his mother called out again, I'm helping Megan, Henry said as he ran over to take the bucket of sloshing water for Megan before she dropped it. Henry, his mom stood right next to him. What, I'm being a good friend to Megan, he said. I'd like you to be a good friend to Jason, she replied. Jason doesn't need help carrying anything, Henry said with a mischievous grin showing off his dimples. You know what I mean. Okay, Mom, Henry mumbled. What's the big deal, Henry thought to himself. Tomato head wasn't a bad word like stupid or ugly. Henry liked Jason. He wasn't calling him tomato head to be mean. He was having fun. Mom just doesn't understand. Time to go, Henry's mom said. And soon the two were off to the Chinese market. You can see Henry here, and then how he's thinking. These are kind of what they call thought bubbles. His thoughts are in pictures. Henry looked all around, fascinated by the variety of foods. Everything seemed like the same foods you could buy anywhere, except the labels were written in Chinese characters, but with a closer look, many foods could only be found at the Chinese market. See how there are words and then there's these symbols, or characters they call them. This looks like artwork. At the meat counter, Henry's mom told the butcher, I'd like one chicken, please. As the man wrapped the chicken in pink paper, he looked over at Henry and his mom, and he said something in Chinese to his co-worker. They both looked over and started laughing. Hmm. Two grown-ups talking in a different language and then laughing? Hmm. As they continued shopping, Henry saw his mom looking uncomfortable. He felt heaviness in his chest. He knew she spoke some Chinese, so maybe she knew what they were saying. On the way home, Henry asked, were those men laughing at you? Yes, she said. Why? The older man called me a banana. Why is that funny? Henry asked. A banana is just a piece of fruit. Well, his mom replied, Sometimes when people don't understand or are unfamiliar with something, they compare it to something else that reminds them of it. How does a banana remind them of you? Henry asked. Oh, well, the older man thought I had yellow skin, but was white on the inside, like a banana, she said. In other words, I look Chinese, but I don't speak Chinese. Henry's mom continued. Just because we don't speak Chinese fluently, that doesn't mean we reject our Chinese heritage. But being called a banana 
still makes me feel like they don't accept me, like I don't belong. Henry didn't like anyone making fun of his mom. She was the nicest person in the world. Soon Henry's anger turned into sadness. He never wanted his mom hurt or unhappy. They weren't trying to be mean, his mom said. They just don't understand how their words can affect the way a person feels. Sounds like words have power. How was your day, Henry? His dad asked during dinner. Henry shrugged. He quietly thought about his mom the whole time while his dad packed everybody's lunch boxes with the leftovers. The next day, Henry gave his mom an especially big hug before he left for school. I love you, Mom, he said. I love you, too, she answered curiously. At recess, all the kids were laughing and teasing Jason again, but Henry didn't laugh this time. The look on Jason's face reminded Henry of how his mom looked in the market. Teasing Jason didn't seem as funny anymore. At lunch, Henry opened his lunchbox and the first thing he pulled out was a banana. He bent his head and felt his face become hot. He heard all the kids laughing. They were laughing at him. Look how the illustration on this page, how big the illustrator made that. Does Henry like all that laughing at him? Mm -mm. Henry looked up to tell them to stop when he realized no one was even looking at him. The kids were laughing with Mr. Jones, the school custodian who liked to tell funny stories. When school was over, Henry saw Jason walking out of class. His hair sure is red, Henry thought. Well, he also likes riding bikes and playing video games, and he is the best goalie in class. Bye, Jason, Henry said to him. Jason looked puzzled. How come you call me Jason, he asked. Well, that's your name, isn't it, asked Henry. Yeah, said Jason, smiling. It is. So we saw that words do have power. And so what I'd like you to do today is as you head back through all those people, if you, or even if you're in the front row and want to participate, maybe give them a powerful word that's a kind word. Like I might turn to my friend here and say, purple is my favorite color and you look really good in purple. So maybe as you walk back to your teacher, or even to Mr. Mike in the back, if you really think the sound works really well, now that I've learned how to use it, um, or your teacher back there, see if you can think of a powerful word that you can say to them, maybe brighten their day. Thank you for joining me.
Thank you for sharing that story. Who here knows the second half of the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. Yeah, uh, it's memorable, right? It's a memorable saying. It might help us let go of verbal injury, but it, it's, it's not true. It's not true. Words can and do hurt very much. Emotional trauma, as some of these words could be, can linger and take just as much effort to heal as physical trauma. And depending on the injury, we could be dealing with pain from words for years, working through that. This story tells the truth, that words have power, and that they can hurt or they can heal. And calling someone names or throwing mean words creates deep and albeit invisible pain and injuries. We all know, I mean, we all know this. We know the power of words as individuals, and we know this institutionally too. On Sundays, and you've seen this because I've switched it up sometimes, if our young people are leaving the service, we usually sing a song when the words are shifted from love of God, to spirit of love, right? And you may notice, like, oh, yeah, when the lyrics are up there and Andrew puts love of God and we usually sing spirit of love and it's, ah. Because God is one of those words that has some meaning there, has caused a lot of pain in the world, in our faith history specifically. That's a fraught term right there. It's, uh, I was talking with a colleague this week about the service, and he said, oh, I call them haunting words. Haunting words. I was like, oh, that's a good term. So I stole it from him. I said, I'm going to use it, haunting words. <laughs> and that's one of those. And for our religion, religion sometimes, too, is a word. It's haunting. Sin, redemption, prayer, salvation. Oh, oh. Some, I mean, I can, I can feel the tension a little bit just saying those, right? I mean, those are some haunting words for us as a faith community. And I say that love is one of these two. Love is, a, is one of those terms, a word which is used often by conservative faith communities and not always in a caring manner. We say, we're focused on love, but it doesn't feel like there's care there. It means something different than we might think. Being focused on love doesn't always come across as being open. Or which type of love? Is only one type of love appropriate? Do you have any haunting words or triggering words? Terms or words which have hurt you and which continue to hold power? Think about that. So what? That's where I get, I get to this often. It's like, so what? So what about this? So the, the so what here is that we need to be careful. 
We need to be careful not just in what we're saying and how we're acting, but, but what we do with our lives, what we hold on to, what we let go of, what we discard. Right? It, it wouldn't be kind to always talk with Henry and his mom and his family about bananas, no matter the specific meaning. If you always went over, it's like, hey, I brought you some bananas to share. It's like, it, there's not love there. That's painful. That's harmful. That's mean. But conversely, Henry's family doesn't stop eating the fruit, and they don't stop using the word banana. That's the balance to walk there, used in this example. That's the balance to walk, that if we never use the word love, if we never use the word God, if we never use the words prayer, sin, or redemption, we are missing out on some of the richness of that theological language. But using haunting words must be done with care, being mindful that what we say and also acknowledging that pain that others may have with what we say. Because I talk about God in services, you may have noticed. Some people love that, some people hate it. I include prayers after moment uh, 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 from sharing from our heart. And some people are like, prayer? And some people are like, oh, prayer. I try to do it in a way that that stretches, that opens up these terms for us rather than closing off. Because we can claim these for ourselves and own them. And it's one of the reasons that I use music a lot, use story a lot in this service specifically, because I can keep talking and talking, but words are so fraught and so, so much meaning, it's good to hit us not just in our head, but also in our hearts. So, let's shift again, and this one to a song where, if you have your hymnal, it says God. This is actually the opposite of what usually happens. The hymnal says God. The lyrics up here will say joy. You may sing whichever one you want that is okay. Be true to yourself. So please rise in body or in spirit for over my head. It's number 30, and the lyrics will be up here. Joy somewhere over my head. 
All right, I'll do the same thing as Sheila. If you'd like to come read a story, or hear a story, come on up. I'll do what you did. All right. You coming? You can come, you can come sit just like you did before. Story when you're done. All right. Can you hear me? Am I good? Should I face it? All right. And scooch in. All right. Ryan can sit there. No, no, you scooch. Whoop, was the mic. There we go. All right. So I will be reading. I'm, I'm discount Barbie librarian. Because um, I didn't wear pink today. But what we're going to be reading, this book is called What is Love? by Mac Burnett and illustrated by Carson Ellis. So, what is love? I'll turn it around so you can see. When I was a boy, in the garden out front of the house where we lived, I asked my grandmother, what is love? My grandmother was old. I thought she would know. She picked me up in her arms and she said, I can't answer that. Who can, I asked. If you go out into the world, you might find an answer. So I went, and off he goes. I asked the fisherman, what is love? The fisherman smiled, love is a fish. <laughs> a fish, I said. It glimmers and splashes just out of reach, and the day that you catch it, if you know what you're doing, you give it a kiss and throw it back into the sea. But I don't like fish, I said. They're slimy and they taste bad and they have creepy eyes. The fisherman sighed, you do not understand. I asked the actor, what is love? The actor smiled, love is applause. Applause? It's the hoots of the crowd, the sound of their hands. You stand in the footlights while they all scream your name. Sometimes they throw flowers. At that moment, you know you exist. You are seen. But the crowd leaves, I said. They, they go home. The actor sighed, you do not understand. What is love? The cat smiled. Love is the night. The night, I said. 
That that sounded that sounded all right. But but before the cat could explain, a dog chased it away. Wait, I said, stop. What is love? The dog looked back and looked back and said, "This." I asked the carpenter, what is love? The carpenter smiled, love is a house. A house? You hammer and saw and arrange all the planks. It wobbles and creaks and you alter your plans. But in the end, the thing stands and you live in it. I said, I'm, I'm not allowed to use hammers. <laughs> Once I busted my thumb. I don't mean a real hammer. I'm not talking about thumbs. It got busted real bad. <laughs> the carpenter sighed, you do not understand. The farmer told me love is a seed. This soldier told me love is a blade. That soldier told me love is a horse. But the cart driver said, no, it's a donkey. A sports car, a donut, a lizard, a ring, the first snow of winter, a maple in the summer, a grizzly bear, this pebble right here. These are all things people told me love is. I asked the poet, what is love? The poet smiled. Sit down and I'll tell you, he said. A list so long it goes on for pages. I didn't have the time to listen to that. Wait, said the poet, I have not answered your question. You sure haven't, I said. Then the poet shouted at me, you do not understand. And so one day I returned to the house where we lived. The lights were on. I smelled dinner cooking. My dog barked gladly at me from a window upstairs. I took off my shoes and stood in the garden. I curled my toes so they dug in the dirt. I sighed. I didn't hear my grandma come up behind me. Finally, she said, you have come back. She was older, I was taller. She asked me, did you answer your question? I picked her up in my arms, I smiled, I said yes. The end, cuddling in the garden. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me.
I, I expected a nice, calm, you know, decrescendo there, but the, the, there's a, the phone. Are we safe? Is it this just saying, be careful with snow coming? Okay, bless you. Weather service alert. Okay, great. Whew. What is love? I, I thought we could just keep going with that song. It's okay, we probably should fade out after a couple of minutes. Because it's a great song, but it gets a little repetitive. It's the 90s, that's what we did. So we won't put it on again. I, I, sometimes it's nice to have really like specific feedback. <laughs> In the January newsletter, I, uh, I listed eight different types of love explained by Greek words. Self-love, romantic love, love that lasts, all-consuming love, friendship love, familial love, playful love, and love for humanity. When we get that. We understand this. Not, not each specific word and definition. I don't expect you to be like, oh yeah, I know those eight, and I know the Greek terms, and I know how it plays out in my life. No, but we know that not all love is the same, right? That's, that's not news. That's not new. I mean, this morning we're hearing, we're singing, we're listening to the breadth of this term to what this might encompass. I mean, I love peanut butter in a very different way than I love my wife. <laughs> in a very different way than I love you. Right? Those are not the same feelings, but we have the same word. The boy in the story, oh, Manny took it with her. That's okay. That's fine. That's, that's, that's okay. The boy in the story, sure, you can bring it up. Yeah, what is love? Asks people, what is love? Thanks. I just like to put it up so we can see it. He says, what is love? And he gets all these different answers, right? I mean, no, there's not one specific answer. He gets all these different answers. And what I find really neat here, you can see how my mind works. Like, what, do I, what does Andrew find really neat about this book is that we could do the opposite of what we do with hymns. If you take the word God and stick it in there for love, it works. It, it works the same. That's really neat. What is God? No one can answer that for you. God is a seed, a horse, the chase, a house, a fish. God is right here. What is love? Love is a seed. Love is a horse. Love is the chase. Love is a house. Love is right here. So what is love? What is love? I promise always to give you more questions than answers, and this is one of those. What is love for you? Take a moment, think. What is love? What does love mean to you? And if you feel so called, Shout it out. Write it on chat. Thank you. We saw it right now. Giving a kiss, giving a kind touch, passing it along. Thank you, Jean. Yeah. Love is when making someone else happy with being happy. 
Love is when making someone else happy makes you happy. Yeah. Love is being present. Yes. Love is being patient and understanding, says the father of some small children. Yes. <laughs> Love is being seen. That's what I feel, and that's what I'm trying to show, too. That's, yeah. Love is the hard part. Love is the hard part. It's not easy, it's not pretty, and you're there. Yeah. Love is loyalty. Even when it gets hard. Yeah. Love is endless. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. We could go on and on. Thank you. Think on what love is. Thank you and amen. And I'm going to hand it over to Linda. <laughs> Other Linda. <laughs> At this time in our service, some of us may want to share a significant joy or, con or concern with the congregation. Please wait until after the musical interlude, and then you're invited to take turns coming to the microphone to share your brief thoughts. we will bring this time of sharing to a close. Many weeks we sing uh, Spirit of Life. This week there's maybe a slightly more appropriate song, There is More Love Somewhere. The words will show up on the screen. As Andrew discussed earlier, you, if you have a hymnal, you can use it. If you would like to stand and go to the sides, you may do so and sing along. more love 
The prayer is Find Love, Be Loved by Laura Riordan Berardi. May we find love in this place, love in our hearts, love for the broken down, love for the lonely, love for those yet to feel whole, love for those in between, love for those out of our reach. May we find love, add love, and be love in this world. Amen and blessed be. Thank you, Linda. Sorry to mess up with the music there. This is how we show love. This is amazing. Things don't go perfectly well. We show love. We have a, a meditation uh, this morning, and it comes from this deck of cards, it's a large deck of cards, called Mindful Kids, 50 Mindfulness Activities for Kindness, Focus, and Calm. We have a deck here in uh, the classroom down the hallway. I know that the Enrights have a deck at their home, and we have one. My family has one. There may be others shared. It's a great resource for children, for youth, for adults. Very simple to pull out a thing like, how are we going to be mindful today? Um, this meditation is called Loving Kindness. And I invite you to enter into this with an open mind, with an open heart. Sit mindfully with your spine straight and body relaxed. Hold your hand over your heart and repeat to yourself, may I be happy. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind. Now think of a friend or a family member and repeat to yourself, may you be happy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful. May you be kind. Now imagine people you don't know yet and repeat to yourself, may you all be happy. May you all be safe. May you all be peaceful. May you all be kind. Continue your day knowing that everyone wants to be happy just like you do. Amen and thank you. The words from this meditation may seem familiar, they're adapted, as one of our hymns has been adapted from a traditional Buddhist meditation, which has been put to music for our next song. Please remain seated for this one and join in Filled with Loving Kindness. It's in the Teal Hymnal, so unless you went above and beyond and got the other hymnal, you're going to have to use the lyrics up here.
how did it feel to mindfully promote loving kindness to yourself, to your family members, to the world? I go back and forth between rhetorical and like actually wanting you to respond. This one can be rhetorical. Hold it in your heart. How did that feel? How did that feel? Share it at the potluck after service. And I have, I have a secret, actually. Here's a secret. Engaging in the practice, the musical meditation, the meditation we did from the kids' mindfulness, that actually changes how you live in the world. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I did that. Okay, now I'm going to be the same person. No, no, no. You will actually promote more kindness, more love to yourself, to your family, friends, to those people you have not yet met. It makes a difference. You make a difference. Words have power. You have power. This is, this is, like, this is the amazing thing, and this is why we come here, right? When we think of being more loving, However we define being loving, we are more loving. We promote kindness to ourselves. We show care to others. We help to create peace in the world. So let us remember the power of our words, the power of love. Because your words have power, you can create a sense of care, of kindness, of peace in the world through your actions and through your intentions. So how are you going to promote peace in the world? Another rhetorical one, that's for later. How are you going to promote peace in the world? How are you going to do that? That's why we come together. We come together to help each other, to help ourselves, to remind each other, to remind ourselves that we can live a better life if we're guided by love. That's a segue. We're going to sing, love will guide us. Did you get that segue? Love will guide us. So let us rise in body or in spirit for our closing hymn, where we talk about love guiding our actions, 354. Nope, 131. I don't know where that came from. 131. Thank you. 
I love that because I don't always feel like I sing like an angel, nor that I can speak before thousands, but I can always live with love in my actions. We extinguish our flames here, mainly for safety reasons, <laughs> right? But we keep the flames lit in our hearts, in our souls. We keep our focus on being loving, on creating a better world. And we close with these inspiring words from 1 Corinthians. Keep alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Amen and blessed be.